You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. But I think it's worthwhile uh, revisiting some of the aspects of Nesuin and Shiduchim of Halacha. Um, and this this is from the Sefer of Rabbi Srobelsky, who died also uh, before his time, a young man, also relatively young, um, and uh, was one of the premier postgame in America at the time that he died. Uh, he was the Rashid of Torah Vadas, and he was very close, of course, with the person who we've been talking about this week, who died on uh, Arab Shabbat, Arab Shabbos from David Feinstein. They were close friends, and they worked together. They were in, in Pisgah Aloha. Um, here is uh, Rav Yisrael Belsky's Atzal. We know in Ebene Ezra it says you shouldn't marry off your daughter if you're a Kohen. You shouldn't marry your daughter off to an Amaretz. Um, that's what it says in Ebene Ezra Sif, uh, Simon Beis, Sif Ches. Do we still say that? In fact, the Gemara says in the name of Rav Yochanan that in general, um, if he's not a real Talmud Chacham, they say it, does, it might not work. Now, even though that isn't Shulchan Aruch, one of the later, not that late, but 150 years after the time of the Shulchan Aruch, one of Rabbi Yair Bachrach in Germany said that we do not have those Amaratsim anymore, those terrible people. Now, we do have people that don't know about learning, but not the, the terrible Midos that those Amaratsim had. Those Amaratsim were, because they had no Torah, they were, they were um, aggressive, uh, ugly people, people that never learned Midos and Derech Eretz. Uh, today, we have a situation where people... Sometimes the best midos are amaratzim. Uh, in those days, with there wasn't a regular schooling, you know, you have someone who wasn't part of the cheder system and hadn't learned Torah, so we, you don't want that person marrying your daughter. But today, it's not the same. Of course, you're looking for a talmud chacham, but there's no iser even of someone from a mishpacha of koanim to marry someone who was halachically an amaratz. Ravelsky says Rav Yeshua, who himself was a great person, uh, married a Baskoe, and he suffered illness throughout his married life. And he would say, you might remember this Gemara in, in Psachim, we're going to have it in Dafyomi soon again, Lo la'aron. <laughs> he said, the reason why, I guess Aaron wasn't happy that I married one of his grandchildren. So Rebelsky says that's a nice piece of Gemara, but it shows you the anivus of Rabbi Yeshua. That's not really uh, a problem of, of, of marrying, of marrying uh, a Bas Kohen. By the way, one of the things that um, Rabbi David Feinstein, as a tzal, um, he spoke at the Shloshim of when Rav Moshe died in 1986. And um, at that time, Rabdavid was already um, 
yeah, he approaching 60. He was in his late 50s already. He was born in 1929. So he was at that time um, 57. And at the Shloshim, he spoke about Rav Moshe's wife. The, the whole Shloshim, he spoke about the family that Rav Moshe had married into and that she was a Paskoen. And people asked him afterwards that they were expecting to hear him speak about his father. But people realized that this was a great chizuk for his mother to know that she came as a Bas Kohen, that there's something choshev, that you come from Kohen family of Kohanim. <laughs> and even though you would have said there was no greater Tamachachim than Ramosha, his own son understood the significance of what it should mean to marry to marry into a Cohen's family. Um, who has to pay Shadchanis? In this week's parsha, clearly the money comes from Avram, right? Uh, whatever Eliezer has has been given over to Avram, and um, but the Shadchan gelt, um, you know, there was no Shadchan really. Avram found Rivka in a way by sending Eliezer. Uh, maybe Eliezer, although he's an Evid, so I guess he doesn't deserve any Shatchonis. But let's say there is, he's not an Evid. Somebody works really hard to find the Shidduch. And we know in Eretz Yisrael it's very, very common. And here in America as well, um, people call up and suggest Shidduchim, and, and you have to realize that if you accept it, you are going to be in the tank for money. Uh, <laughs> and they can take you to a Dintara. Even if, when the person calls up, then you never discuss money with them. Because it's understood in people's minds, uh, this is the way all the postmen say today, that it's understood that there's a service that person's doing for you. Now, how much do you have to pay? Now, that really depends. You have to figure out what does the average price of a shatran. So be careful. When people call up or call your house and Moshe, I don't know if you get calls and people are interested, um, people who see resumes and whatever is going on, realize that uh, that, that, that this isn't just a, uh, a call to be, to, to be friendly and to be helpful. It's going to cost. All right. So shatran is, is a real chov. But who has to pay? So the parents have the chiv, even though the children are quite old. Now, sometimes, he says, um, it's clear that the parents have to pay. For example, where the chos and the kava are living at home. And even if they have a job, like many of our young people, they have jobs, and they make enough money that they can actually pay for their own food. But where do they sleep? They basically stay by their parents. Now, even if the parents have, uh, even if the parents have uh, told them, um, or they've decided to live in a separate apartment, usually, if they if they hang out by their parents' house, they have keys, they can come and go when they want, um, anytime they want. And the parents are the ones that are still talking about the Shudduchim, and people call the parents with ideas. 
So despite the fact that they've given their children a lot of independence, they still have to pay the Shadchanas. Now, what about Rabelsky deals with, what about if the Shadchan goes straight to the Bocher and they work out a date, parents were never called, Rabelsky says it doesn't make a difference. The Shadchan can still submit the bill to the parents. Why? Because probably, in most cases, the boy probably speaks to his parents, lets them know. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm not going to get personal about my own child. But if there are, even though there are some that uh, don't take advice from their parents, but they haven't said they don't care about their parents, they haven't, we talked last night, if you remember the story about the fight between the father and the son about uh, who, whether the shidduch should work. If that hasn't happened, where the, fa- the father, the son says, I'm not even involved, my parents, they do me, I don't care what they think. If that hasn't happened, then the parents can still be on the hook for the service of Shatchanis. Rabelsky felt another proof is the fact that Look at the invitation. The invitation has the parent's name, as if they are the ones that have crafted this relationship. So therefore, that's another proof that they are the ones that are on the, who need to pay the shatchan. However, sometimes we know that there is, and it doesn't have to be because of being religious or not religious. Um, sometimes they're just as bad feelings between children and parents. Um, And it's almost like the child does not get the parent's advice whatsoever. Um, In that situation, there is no debt. Even if the Shadchan didn't know this, there is no debt to the parent. And you cannot take the parent to a Dintora for Shadchanis. Now, now, what about if the if the shatran says, "Hey, look who sent the invitation! It's you sent the invitation, and, and and look, it says your name as if it's your wedding. Who do you think made that happen? I did." The shatran says, "They have they can say in a dintora." Rabelsky explains that true. They just didn't. Nobody wants the wedding invitation not to have their name on it. Because it's expected that it's the parents. Most people expect normal families that there isn't this type of dysfunction and anger between them. And therefore, then they can easily taina that even though their names are on the invitation, that's just because they didn't want to have the embarrassment. But if they can show that the chassan was really, and again, they probably, they might have to go to Bezdin to say this, uh, the the parent the 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 chassan himself would have to pay shatchanis. Now, Ravelsky says it's very difficult sometimes to know what the real truth is in this case. And if a, if a shatchan is finding that he's not able to get an answer and he's getting a runaround from the parents, and you know, again, you you need you need to tread with a lot of wisdom to be able to deal with this. Um. A question can be raised on Rav Belsky's psak, which is, 
we know the Gemara says that a father has a responsibility to get his son married. So what about that chiyuv? True, they don't have a great relationship. But I helped you now. You had the chiyuv, according to the Mishnah Brachot. These are the things, one of the things that you're chayiv to, to do for your children. So I helped you. You should pay me. Um, Rebelsky says, what is Shadchanis? It's, it's, it's agency. Sarsarut. Because you did it for me. Even though I had the mitzvah, let's say, I, it was my son that you found the shidduch for. But, and I do have a mitzvah to make sure he gets married. That's all I have. I wasn't active, I wasn't actively involved in it. And maybe that's a problem for me. But you can't use that as a chiyuv for me to pay. Even though I helped, the, if, if the shatran can say to me, I helped you be Makayim your mitzvah. Wait, that's not why I'm paying you. I'm paying you because there's something I'm involved in doing and you did it, helped me, the stuff that I was involved in doing already. Like I'm a gardener and, you, and I'm a farmer and you came and, 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 and watered my plants. The fact that if the situation was correct, I should have been involved with the shidduch, but I wasn't. And I and we can show that halachically, the the the, the wouldn't be able to claim shadchan is guilt. Let's say the shadchan doesn't realize that the parents are bankrupt and don't have the money. Then what? Um, well, there's a chov on the parents. Rabelsky says, though, in that case, the couple should do whatever they can, even though they're not chayiv, to say, look, our parents can't pay, we'll take the responsibility, we'll pay. Because we know the brocha is mitsuya b'vayesha, the gets his complete shatronis. And Rebelski doesn't even want to say it, but many times, he's, as he hints here, Saurus many times happen in a family, lack of fertility, lack of shalom bias, and other things. And, and you know, there's been many, many stories that have Many, many stories uh, have been, um, I have heard many, and I'm sure you have too, of marriages that had problems, be- and then they, when they paid the shatran, they either, they, they were pregnancies happened, no miscarriages happened anymore. So that is definitely something that you should try to do. Um, and... Again, sometimes you have to make payments. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like the nicest thing to do, but it's something you should definitely um, 
Mishtadalim. I know that uh, uh, I'm sure uh, Moshe and Sheila, I'm sure you know of stories as well about how paying the Shadchan is sometimes <laughs> the easiest way for the fit, for a lot of Tsar to be taken away. What if there's no Shadchan officially? So here's an interesting question. I, I don't know if this is what you mean. Um, let's say there's no official Shadchan, but somehow the reason why the couple got together was because so, uh, one of their friends introduced them or something like that. So let me explain it a little bit better. The, the chiv to pay for Shadchanis is because the Shadchan not only found the person, which you might not have known otherwise, and that's the main thing, they also thought about why it should work and was all, were also crucial in most cases the way this works, you know, to make that first call uh, and sometimes to, if, to smooth things over. So, Sheila, maybe you're asking, there's no real Shadchan, but if I'd have to think about it, the person that's the reason why we met was this person. Like, let's say, for example, the Chosen uh, was invited to a, um, a barbecue at someone's house. And at that barbecue, he met a girl. And they, 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 they talked with each other, etc. So is the hostess of the barbecue the Shadchan in a way? Um, they didn't even, happens to be that uh, they were friendly with both families. It's hard to call that a shadchan, but if the if the hostess at the barbecue um, specifically invited that boy and that girl together on the hope that they would meet, and, and then it turns out you discover that's the reason why the, the you the, this boy and girl were invited, then I would say that that qualifies as a shadchan, even though it wasn't necessarily spoken out. Then um, would, they, would they have to give a certain set amount of shadchanis? So this you need to speak to Rabbanim about what is the minimum amount. And there's really, if you, in Eretz Yisrael, it's very um, uh, clear that there's different amounts for the different involvements of levels of involvement. But, um, you know, I, that's what I would say. Uh, again, you... you you, what you can also do is if in the case I just said, you know, say, I'm ready to give you Shadchanis, uh, and the, and, and, and the uh, hostess might say Shadchanis, no, the happiest thing is that they met. I didn't do it because I wanted to get any money from it. Um, you know, you know I, uh, so if, and then what you would say is, are you sure? I'd, I'd like to give you something. I want to give you something. And if they say, no, I don't want to take it, I'm it, so then, and they, you know they mean it, Bileb Sholem, then I think you're, then I think you're okay. Um, what I would say, even in that case, a person should do is, oh, I'm ochel. no, no, I want to give you something anyway. Let me give you something anyway. You know what? That, that's what I would do based on the, um, But then would that have to be a set price or would that be anything? So uh, there I would say you don't necessarily have to give them something based on your research. I mean, yeah, something that you'd have to look into. I, I'll tell you, I myself was in such a situation 
of the one shidduch that I've made. And um, we never asked any uh, uh, shatchanis. And the couple was married for a number of years, and and, and, and they had many, they, they were a very, very successful couple, and a lot of children, Baruch Hashem. And um, you know, I, I, I feel very uh, blessed that I at least made one shidduch. Okay, just one. But on my side, I remember, I remember uh, talking to my wife once and saying, you know, it's interesting. You know, they never gave us anything. You know, I, I know. For, and and then one, they came over with a, um, you know, a silver. I'm not sure, a silver plated challah board with a knife. You know, a big thing. Um, and I, I remember accepting it, saying, "I'm makabel this as the complete tashlum." I remember saying that. Believe me, it's nothing even close to what uh, a shatchanim are supposed to get. Uh, you know, this was probably something, an $85 gift or something like that, maybe $70, maybe less at the Judaica store. Um, uh, you know, the prices, you know, for shatchanis, you're talking about three, four, $5,000 minimum, usually, in, uh, uh, here in America. You're usually talking about something like that. Um, it might even be more. But anyway, um, let's go on to another question about uh, once the wedding is there. Um, we know the chassan needs shmira. How long does the chassan need shmira for? And when does the shmira start? For example, does the day of the chassan mean that night? Or, or let's say, because it's technically, uh, the wedding is going to be uh, tomorrow afternoon. So as soon as the sun goes down, does the chosen eat shmira? Also, let's say the wedding is at night. Maybe the chosen doesn't eat shmira during the day. How long do you need shmira for? So Rabelsky said that it's clear to him that it's the day of the it's based on the Gemara and Brochus that says Shlosha Tzrich and Shimur. And we've talked about Rebelski as we've learned in Rebelski in the past, the Shimur that you have to apply for a Chola, how you don't leave people in the hospital. Elena with COVID, of course, things were different, and we talked about that a number of months ago. Why is it that a Chosen needs Shmira, though? The Gemara says he does. Why does a Chosen need Shmira? So in Pirkei Belezer it says Chosen Daimelech. Just like a melech doesn't go out by himself, he has people with him. Now, what's when is he a chosen? So if you take a look in Hilchas Tachnun, in 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 in, in Shulchan Aruch Kufslamet Aleph in the Mishnah Brura, the Mishnah Brura quotes the Vilna Gaon that you don't say Tachnun even though the wedding is going to be. Later in the day, way late, you don't say Tachnun in the Chosen's house by Shachris. And therefore, it would seem Shachris is when it starts. Um, Rav Yaakov Etlinger, however, uh, in, 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 in Hilchas Sukkah, when he talks about what's considered a Chosen, Remember the 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 the, uh, the Bryce says in the second parak of Sukkah that uh, that the Chosan and all his Shoshvinim are potter from the Sukkah. 
because they're with the chosen. So what, when are you called a chosen? So Rav Yaakov Etelger says, based on his research, that even from the Eifruf, you're called a chosen. That's by the Ashkenazim. I don't know if by the Sephardim, but by the Ashkenazim, he's called a chosen even from the time of the Eifruf. Now, how long do you have to have Shemira for? So, until the Sheva Brachas is over. Um, there has become, maybe in COVID, it's become even more frequent. But there are many nice Jewish couples, from couples, even from B'nai Torah families, that they aren't necessarily having a um, uh, all Sheva Brachas. So if there's not going to be Sheva Brochus, and there isn't like it was in Chazal, that there was a special like hotel that they stayed at, a special aperion that they stayed at. So would would there, would there still be this din that the Chosanid Shmira? In other words, yeah, we're not having any Sheva Brochus. We can't find anybody to make it. It's COVID. Nobody is, we're not having any parties. Our parents don't feel well enough to make it. No one's, the restaurants are closed. So are you still considered... In that situation, are you still considered a chosen? There's not going to be any simcha this night. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Something tells me that you should still be machmer. Now, what does that mean to be machmer? What that means machmer is that the, the chosen should not go out by himself. And that means not even going out to, that means not even going out to, to shul in the morning without his, his wife. He's not supposed to go alone any place. The whole Sheva Brochus. Now, that's what Ravelsky feels should still be the halacha. And Chassanim who travel by themselves during the day are making a mistake. Um, the Chazanish said that today a Chosan doesn't need Shemira. We spoke about this, if you remember, um, last week from Revel Yoshev, the mitzvah of, of, of Levia, the mitzvah of, of, of care, taking a person uh, out of the city. And we mentioned the, the, the hero of the Chofetz Chaim in Avas Chesed and what the Chazanish uh, and others had said. And it's the same with Shitosa here. The Chazanish says you don't need to be malave the, uh, the, 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 a person out of your house because Everybody is in the street. So he said the same thing is true by a chosan. The streets are filled with people today. So on that, the, the Ravelsky says, I, I agree that the threat of Hezek is not there. The special Kedusha the chosan has means you have like the Sitra Achra or the, or the Klipos, whatever you want to call them, the power of Tuma wants to somehow affect him. And maybe the Chazanish and the Chazanish could be very much correct that we live in, in such populous cities with people in the street all the time that that's no longer the case. Because the Gemara says if there's three people, the Mazikim don't show up. Uh, of course, in the middle of the night, things might be different. But generally, in the morning, in the late evening, in the early evening, 
the, the idea of going out alone, according to Chaznish, might not be a problem. But Rebelsky says there's still another reason why, according to the Pirka de Rebeliezer, the reason why a chosen is Dome of Melech. So it's a COVID. So that would be what Rebelsky holds, that he still has a Melech, he still has to accompany him. Um, what about the day of the Chuppah? The day of the Chuppah, does he have to have people accompanying him? So it could be, Rebelsky says, since the Chasim is, um, hasn't happened yet, maybe he's not really a Melech. He's a Chasim to be, but he's not like a Melech yet. That happens when he's involved in the mitzvah itself, not just the hours before that. Cedar uh, Kedushin. Um, they, uh, in, during this period of this shiva from Rabbi David Feinstein's Atzal, uh, a number of maspidim and writers have pointed out that Rabbi David went to many, many weddings. As much as he loved learning, and to him, Hasmada was the most important thing. He resisted being pushed into becoming this godol and giving and giving, uh, going to uh, the the meetings because he wanted to learn. He wanted to become. He wanted to continue Torah learning. He realized what was happening. He realized that the community needed him. He realized that people saw that he was Rav Moshe's son, and that he was the person people were coming to, and people would call him, people he didn't even know. And would say, I want to invite the Rosh Hashiva to the wedding, I want the Rosh Hashiva to come. And he felt he needed to do that. And often, he was just someone who got a bracha. <laughs> In the Masada Kedushin was some young person who, who happened to uh, uh, be the Chosen's Rebbe. And Rav David Feinstein, would show up at the wedding. And he had a driver for the last 20 years who would take him all over the place. And he was being paid, of course, by Reb David, because Reb David felt he needed to come. People asked him. They called him. They got him on the phone. He didn't want... You know, and he knew that it would make a difference to them. Reb David didn't think he was great, but he knew that he, 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 knew that he meant something to people. And he knew that he wasn't a zero. He was an Eved Hashem. And as much as Torah meant so much to him, he often went to these weddings. And there's many Rosh Hashivas who say, unless you're giving me Siddur Kedushan, I'm not coming. And don't expect me to come there and just sit there in a chair and get some sort of dinky bracha, shakol baruch Sometimes there's actually issues about who should be the Masada Kedusha. So, should it be the Rav of the city? Maybe the Chosin has a relationship with a, with one of the Rav, with a Rosh Hashiva, or someone who's, who, or maybe the father of the Chosin has a Rebbe that he's bringing in from Eretz Yisrael, but there's the Rav of the city. We know in Elizabeth, I believe, uh, Moshe, I think you know this to be true. Then Elizabeth, there's a kpeda, you have to give Sidir Kedushin to the Rav of the city. Now, 
You don't always get married, though. There's no chas in the halls of Elizabeth. <laughs> At least none that people use. Um, but um, there are cities like the one I'm speaking to you from, where there's a very strict idea that uh, you have to have city condition. And, um, yeah, and, and, uh, and if you're my, if that's the minig in the city, then you have to tell the bocher, no, this is the minig. The rov is going to be the Masada Kedushin. Even if the, the Rosh Hashiva is a bigger Talmud Chacham than the rov. But Ravelsky said, the main thing is, there should not be a Machlikas. Let's say the two sides of the families are arguing. You want you're you're making the wedding in our city, the, the, the Kalas family is saying. We have the rabbi of our town. It's it's from the Kalas side. And you came to our city, let's say. And the Hassan side says, but uh, the city of Kedushin should be for the it's a, it's, you're an agent of the boy, you're an agent of the groom. And the groom's Rebbe is this person. We brought him in special from Eretz Yisrael. So, if they realize that there's an issue involved, the Rabbanim need to t- be the ones who are taking the high ground. They need, we know, that's what Talmidic HaKamim do, or Marvim Shalom Ba'ilam. They need to do what they can to sort of, in a tricky way, to quiet any sort of argument. Um, and they, each one, should work it out between themselves to be mochel on their kavod. The, the, either the rub from Eretz Yisrael will be mochel is kavod, or the rub from the city mochel is kavod. And once again, I mentioned Rab David Feinstein. Yichusa de bavo shtikusa, the Gemara says. That if you see some from B'nai Bavel who's not always talking and not always demanding what he wants, he's a shaskin, he's quiet, that's a sign that he has great yichus. That's a sign that it's the Zerah Yisrael that's running through him. The one who's always clamoring for, for, for the honor that he deserves, that's a sign of a psul. And if the couple realizes and they know about, could they figure out how the Masadic, the, the Rav of the city was Meichel, or the Rosh Hashiva was Meichel. That will show an example to the couple. V'yigavulachem, then they'll see that when they heard that bracha under the chuppah, that God will give them Ava Achva Shalom Bereus. It was said by a person who embodies Ava Achva Shalom Bereus. It was said by somebody who or it was said by somebody who understands what Ava Achva Shalom Bereus is. And that's not just Pitume Mile. And therefore, that would be a real bracha when the person who's saying it is saying it with, with, with that type of feeling. As you know, that that person could have been the Masadar Kedushan. And now he got the bracha Achriti instead because he was Mocho. And that's what we need to do to understand each other and to have that type of achva, recognizing what the needs are and the friendship. 
this is what it means to be a, uh, a, a Talmud Chacham, to try to do whatever you can not to stand on that type of ceremony. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.